Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts. I'm Tim. Hey, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about deserts. Did you know that some of today's deserts were once seas, lakes, or lush forests? Isn't that pretty interesting? People even say that the Sahara Desert was a forest thousands of years ago. So I'm curious if you could explain how that transformation happened. Oh yeah, that's quite an interesting process indeed. So the deserts that we know today are usually formed through a combination of changes uh, in climate and geography throughout the centuries. For instance, when the Earth's axes wobbled a bit about 8,000 years ago, the Sahara Desert was created and it went from a lush green vegetation to being arid and inhospitable as it lost its moisture due to shifts in wind and ocean current patterns. Also, uh, the changes in sea level can also transform a lot of marine environments into deserts. The fossil records give us a sneak peek into these past transformations. I've always wondered, what is underneath all that sand in a desert? Also a good question. So underneath the layers and layers of sand, there's often a hard-packed layer of soil, rock, or clay known as hardpan. And it's this hard layer that often makes it difficult for water to penetrate, leading to the arid conditions we associate with deserts. And speaking of water, how do you get an oasis in such an arid, dry region? Where does the water come from and why, why don't they just vaporize? Oh yeah, an oasis, you know, that kind of spot in a desert where water is available, it's typically from an underground source known as an aquifer. The water, it reaches the surface either from a natural spring or through man-made wells. And as for the trees and plants, they can grow around these water sources, thriving on the available water and nutrients. The reason the water doesn't just vaporize is due to the cooler temperature underground, which helps keep the water from evaporating too quickly. Now, I'm intrigued by something else, which is in the US, you have these big cities in the desert, like Las Vegas and Phoenix. Why did people settle there? Oh, yes. So many of the cities in the US deserts, like Las Vegas and Phoenix, they were founded during times of westward expansion. And initially, these were small settlements with the advantage of natural resources like minerals or maybe it was a strategic location. But with the invention of air conditioning and advances in water transportation, these cities were able to grow despite the very harsh climate. I see. It's amazing what human innovation can do. I do remember also reading that back in 400 BC, Persian engineers had already mastered the technique of storing ice in the middle of a desert during summer. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? These brilliant minds built structures called gaxols, which were essentially ancient refrigerators. The thick, heat-resistant construction and the clever use of wind catchers and subterranean storage spaces helped keep the ice frozen, even in the heat of summer. It's truly a testament to human ingenuity. Now, the other thing that's interesting about deserts is there is an analog to potentially life and environments on other planets. So could you tell us a little bit about how studies of desert ecosystems allow us to understand, say, life on Mars and other planets? Oh, yes. And we've done a number of episodes here about planets, right? Like Jupiter was one of my favorites, where we asked, can you land on a gas planet? 
but we actually haven't done Mars yet, which is probably more relevant to your question. That's right. We do love hearing from our listeners, though. And so if you do want a Mars episode, do email us, as some of you have already done in the past. Yeah. Um, so scientists, they do often compare extreme environments on Earth, like deserts, to those on other planets like Mars to potentially understand uh, extraterrestrial life conditions. The similarities in harshness and aridity between these environments provide some key insights to how life could survive or adapt. Also, desert microbes might help us understand what kind of life forms could even exist on other planets. So the conditions there, right? The, the low humidity, the high radiation, the extreme temperatures, like, you know, it could very closely resemble those on other planets like Mars. And by studying how life survives and thrives in these harsh environments, scientists can gain insights into what kind of life could potentially exist elsewhere in the universe. Scientists also look at the geological features of the deserts. So just like on Mars, the wind is a primary force shaping the landscape in deserts, creating sand dunes and eroding rocks. And by studying these processes on Earth, scientists can make inferences about the geological history of Mars and also similar planets. So we've learned a lot about deserts in this episode already, but we should also make sure we apply it to their importance in the broader planet of Earth. How do deserts benefit our planet? Well, deserts play an essential role in Earth's ecosystem. Uh, for one, they help regulate Earth's temperature. So the sand and rocks in deserts it absorbs the heat during the day and then releases it at night, helping balance a lot of the global temperature. Deserts also play a significant role in the carbon cycle, with desert soils acting as a carbon sink. So they're also home to uh, unique plant and animal species that have adapted to the survive harsh conditions. Uh, moreover, also very important is that many deserts are just rich in mineral resources. So for instance, the Atacama Desert in Chile has significant copper deposits. And also the Arabian Desert has substantial oil reserves. I see. Just because a place seems desolate and, and harsh like a desert doesn't mean that it's devoid of important resources for the Earth and our broader planet. There is a fun fact that links the Sahara Desert to actually the Amazon rainforest, isn't there? Maybe we can end our episode there. Yeah, that's actually a really fun fact. So the entire Amazon basin is fertilized, uh, actually, by diatom shell dust blown over the entire Atlantic Ocean from the Sahara Desert. And each year, it's about like 22,000 pounds of dust from the Sahara Desert that's carried by all the air corns to the Amazon rainforest, where it ends up being an important source of phosphorus for all the tropical plants. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5, the podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you've got comments and suggestions for us. And if you are a regular listener of this podcast, please do take the time to leave us a rating or a review on Apple. It takes two minutes and it really does help other listeners to discover this podcast. As always, thank you to the wonderful community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.